This week on the podcast, it's Minority Report. No, uh, Ready Player One. No, uh, it uh, it's War of the Worlds. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crap all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Welcome everyone once again to the Magnificently Huge Podcast. My name is Brian, this week my friends Chris and Eric will join me for a conversation about 2005's War of the Worlds remake from Steven Spielberg and Tom Cruise. Uh, For some reason in our post 9-11 paranoia we needed to have a grim dark retelling of the 1953 boomer sci-fi classic that takes all of the fun of sci-fi out of it and just leaves us with the 9-11 of it all so yeah we watch that and we talk about it on the show and uh check the show notes to get the timestamps for when we talk about that as well as all of our other fresh shit including uh i went and saw the new wes anderson film uh, so you can you can check out our, our our thoughts on that. Anyway, as always, trying to grow the podcast, so subscribe to the podcast on your app of choice. Share it your social media feeds with your friends. If you want to hear the old episodes, well, subscribe, but you can also go to maghuge.com, M-A-G-H-U-G-E.com. That's also the best way to find all the links to our socials, our Twitter, at maghuge, our Facebook, our Instagram, and a link to email us at magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. All right, let's uh, let's do the show. Good morning, Magnificently Huge Podcast. Hello. Hello. Good morning. How are you? Hello. How are you? Hello. Uh, How are you? Another entertaining <laughs> week. Uh. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, uh, I don't know about you guys, but here in Chicago, we got pummeled by that Canadian wildfire smoke. I mean, it just oh. like blanketed us. And I think it was uh, Tuesday of this last week. Uh, we Chicago was rated the worst air quality in the entire world, like the entire planet. Right on, good for you. <laughs> it was terrible. It was like hazy, smoky. It literally looked like my living room in 1993 when everybody would show up and bong hits would start. I mean, it was just you couldn't see anything. <laughs> it was insane. So that uh, was nice. But now we got a bunch of rain killing the NASCAR race, which is even more fun. So that's the two ends of the spectrum. How are you? Great. Super. Super. I had, at work, I've got, uh, uh, okay, one, one, one work friend who uh, is really into Star Trek like I am, and another work friend who kind of likes Star Trek but is getting more into it. And I mentioned offhand some of the uh, spec scripts I wrote for Voyager. And they're like, well, well, let's read one. And so I, I sent one <laughs> and yeah. I read it too. That's, this is the funny thing though. I, I, I read it and okay. One it's, it's, it's a Star Trek spec script. So it reads like fan fiction, you know, it's like, ugh, whatever. Uh, but at the same time, I'm like, this was actually not bad. It's like everything <laughs> I wanted to see in a Star Trek episode, but they've never done, which is everything goes wrong. Like one thing after another, just wrong and wrong and wrong. And everyone dies and just bad shit happens constantly. And I'm reading this. I'm going, 
I, I would laugh out loud if I saw this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's just like blanket negative. It's as if I wrote it. I mean, you were you were the king of the spec script for a long time because that was yeah. like how you practice your your craft, as it were. <laughs> uh, but I still think that only a select few get to read the incest episode of Beverly Hills Nine Hundred Two One Zero. I think that that's reserved for like your inner circle. I don't think many people I, are going to get to read that one. Yeah, I still tell people about Scott Gimple's spec script uh, for the X Files, where they go to Milwaukee to the Cunningham house uh, right. to find out whatever happened to Chuck Cunningham. <laughs> I mean, it's true. He just disappeared, didn't he? Yeah, he's um, like on the pilot and the first couple of episodes, and they never even mention they have another son, Chuck. And right. in his script, it's this whole thing that. He was sent off to the Korean War and was involved in some kind of government program, you know, like happens on the X-Files. And right. so funny and so smart. The and, and, and what's funny is actually that's very, you know, done in spec script land that you do mashups of shows, even though they will never, ever get made. Right. Well, but huzzah yeah. was was Chuck ultimately abducted by uh, the aliens from Orc or <laughs> it was the same. Yeah, Mork <laughs> took him. Yeah. Oh, my God. Mm. Well, <laughs> anyway, that's, yeah, that's, so, welcome astonishing to the show, everybody. The um, level of, of chit chat we've got going today. Yeah, it's stellar. that's probably my Star Trek reference for the week. I have Ooh. a Star Trek mention <laughs> yeah. every week. And it seems that's probably it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, by the way, uh, we never introduced ourselves. My name is Brian. Oh, that. Yeah. I'm, I'm Eric. I'm Chris. I'm Chris. There. I'm going to talk done. over Eric. I'm going to talk over everybody. <laughs> this is Chris. I'm talking over everybody. <laughs> so I, I have I have come to realize um, going to the gym that phrases like no pain, no gain, right? Or uh, use it or lose it um, are really. And, and even the, the you know, the term for, for, you know, like really buff people being swole. I've come to realize that because I've only been going to the gym like once a week, the, that most of what you're getting from the gym is just swelling, right? It mm -hmm. it goes yeah. down if you don't go to the gym and then and then your your muscles aren't as well you know. at our age. Also, you're not going to swole. I mean, at best, you're going to like stave off death like a few more minutes. But yeah. you're not going to get swole. Well, no, I'm not or trying to get swole. But but I just think it's funny that really what 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 these people are are experiencing is inflammation, right? It's not. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's just that's just standard operating procedure for people of our yeah. age. I mean, it's like when you <laughs> when you wake up in the morning and you realize that you've strained yourself in your sleep. <laughs> that's when you're like, yes. oh, god damn it. So yeah, it's really just the the effects of aging. You can't I knew it. that it was going to happen when I got older, that my attitude would like turn full time to, oh, fuck it. Who cares? You know, and, I'm there. I'm and, but there, yeah. but it's true. It's it, yeah. It's like I, I look at myself in the mirror and I go, I should probably run a comb through all that. Nah, nah. <laughs> you know, it's, well, fuck it. Yeah. Plus, um, when you exactly when you're when you're older and you work from home, shit, you you, you, you might not shave for a month. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I guess. I mean, I still shower every day. Cause no, no, I didn't say I'm shower, in... shave. I, did I say shower or did I say shave? No, that's why oh, I have a beard. I, okay. I, I grew a beard in the nineties because I didn't feel like shaving. Like fuck that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> um, I think, I think I shave 
like do an actual full shave like every two or three months maybe yeah because it's just i've never enjoyed shaving but i also just i don't have what it takes to grow like the mountain man beard so i'm like mm-hmm. in between and i'm also of an age now where most of my beard hair is gray but mm-hmm. some of it still isn't so it comes in and it looks patchy even though it's all the same length so it's mm. it's just but it's too much to shave it's just too much it's an effort that's <laughs> what i'm saying so i agree with you eric yes uh, all right anyway yeah. normally we talk about like tvs and movies and things oh that we right watch uh, we're on the show okay. including uh, well, and if you want to get to the main topic check the show notes but we always start with a segment where we talk about other stuff called the fresh shit this shit is fresh oh shit it's fresh this stuff is real I'm like to the point now where I'm just going to talk as much as I can to see how long it takes us to get to the fresh shit. <laughs> just so you're aware. So you say that as I try to, too. I try and add a I know, I know. I know. I like to have uh, a lead in, you know, like, I mean, like, like going straight to the fresh shit. It feels almost like, you know, on, on a first date, just grabbing for the boob, you know, yeah. it's, it's like too forward. Yeah. You need, I got you, need you. you need some polite lead in. Okay. Well, so uh, with that, I'm going to reach for the boob. There you go. What did you, you want to? You have some fresh shit that you would like to lead off with. That's very boobish. I, I started watching the Sons of Anarchy. Has, have oh you ever God. watched this show? God. Have you ever? Have, Eric. Yeah. Eric. What? Eric. What? Eric. What? No. Just no. What? 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 <laughs> no. What? Explain it to me. What? Ah, uh, a show about bikers. Really? Uh-huh. It's about family. That's right. Is that about right? <laughs> Fucking fast. Eric and is just bullshit. getting red pilled really slowly, right? Like, yeah, 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 he is. So You're like Yellowstone, yeah. and now he's in the Sons of Anarchy. And the next thing you it's know, like, it's going to be like yeah. full on, like Glenn Beck's <laughs> YouTube or he'll, or Yeah, something. or like I, some reality bullshit. You're like slowly becoming the more the most basic person we know. <laughs> Do you remember after 9/11 how like yes. a bunch of a bunch of uh, 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 copies of the Koran were selling? Everybody was buying a copy of the Koran. Because they wanted to figure out just what the fuck the terrorists had against us. It's kind of like that. I kind of want to understand the, <laughs> the way the other half does. Oh, in you order know? to defeat your enemy, you must understand your enemy. There you go. Okay. No, I mean, I've just, I've seen, I've seen this show like bandied about for years. And I've always been like, ah, what's the deal? I mean, I tried watching The Shield too, and I just got too bored. Uh, this is kind of like, like a- that. I, I, it's, it's biking bad is what it should be called because it's breaking yeah. bad on bikes because <laughs> it's what it's uh it's hellboy and the mom from uh married with, married children. with children yeah right and then it's, it's Hel- is it charlie Harbor? charlie no no Ooh. the the og hellboy you philistine ron perlman <laughs> ron, perlman. ron perlman yeah the yeah. real hellboy uh, okay. i don't know harbor well he's how hellboy dare you now. that's like your that's your first thought when you think hellboy is david I thought, harbour i, I had to just Ron reach Perlman through this was too old for it so i i was like no but okay <laughs> it's like it's like captain kirk you know chris pine yeah 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 totally. dare. how dare you sir anyway <laughs> thank, you, thank you for giving me another star trek reference that's that's like the the dunning kruger effect in full force you know what i mean but uh, anyway it's a show I mean, I, I'm I'm watching it, and it's like, yeah, it's it's a good thing to just have on, but uh, oh, I don't know. I that's... don't get it. I'm still trying to like figure out what is the draw 
Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't. And then it wasn't there a like a a follow up series, the uh, the Mayan Sons or some shit. I can't remember what it was I, now. Yeah. Yeah. There was another one, and I'm I don't know if this thing is supposed to be related to the Shield or not, but the grandchildren uh, of anarchy. Yeah. <laughs> really. <laughs> uh, basically, basically the, the 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 theme of this is I've run out of stuff to watch. Uh, you know, after three years of you know, like sort of a glorious post-pandemic lifestyle. There's not much left on streaming to watch. And with the writer's well, strike, yeah, I got to yeah. start watching these FX shows. I mean, yeah, it doesn't help that they just have given up. It's like they're, they don't really have any ideas about longevity. So they're just cranking this stuff out. And so something like Sons of Anarchy hits for for whatever reason. And then suddenly they get like four, four seasons or whatever. It's yeah. just, yeah. No. But I I did think it interesting. The the episode I just had on, of course, has Henry Rollins in it, and uh, that reminds me of that that Onion piece uh, that you know, you're about to see. What is it? You're about to see a movie with Henry Rollins. Is it Studies Show? Yeah, you know? <laughs> uh, he shows up in like all the weird stuff too. Like uh, yeah, like when he shows up in the <laughs> chase with Charlie Sheen. It's like as a cop. That's like the most random uh, yeah. Rollins role I think I've ever seen on film. <laughs> he's been a it cop just doesn't a make any things sense. now, hasn't he? he? Yeah, but he's like a Keystone cop in that one. It's just yeah. so utterly absurd. <laughs> so, anyway, tangent. Sorry. Uh, I don't know. I yeah. I, I I'm all I'm saying basically is yeah. I I'm watching Sons of Anarchy and uh, I don't know. I feel guilty. So. So if uh, any listeners out there have any suggestions for what Eric can watch next, I would say yeah. send him in because he's desperate, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> we yeah. all are. Have you been listening to this podcast the last year? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, the last year, like five years, six years now. Yeah, we're always desperate and bored. What do you got? Ap- and apathetic. <laughs> I, I got oh, a show are. that I would recommend, although it's totally different vibe. Yeah. Um. Started watching Nora from Queens with Aquafina in it. Oh, I've, I've seen Max. clips. It looks like it could be amusing. You know what? It's hilarious. It's it's really good, actually. Um, okay. I mean, Aquafina is playing Aquafina, right? Like it's 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 the same character she plays in everything. But this may be like the purest form. Like she writes some of the episodes. Um, but it's it's her being sort of a um still living in her parents house millennial uh does not have her shit together whatsoever trying right. to to function and um honestly the best character is her grandma who is this aqua velva yeah sure <laughs> aquamarine yeah uh... no the, the grandmother uh is is this just old chinese lady who does not give a fuck about anything and is just like sassy and manipulative and uh just done right so she just right, does right. her shit and um yeah i mean it's a it's a sitcom it's it's really almost a sketch show because each each show is they literally like split them up with these little like graphics but it they kind of stitch these sketches together to form the the backbone of a plot for each episode but it's really like okay 
we're going to do a show where they go to Atlantic City and then all the different things that might happen to this character in Atlantic City and and they make it into into a show. But uh, yeah, Bowen Yang is like her successful brother and um, the guy I can't remember his name now, but the guy, the scientist from Jurassic Park is her dad. Um, It's just yeah, it's just a good fun. The, the scientist from Jurassic Park. Yeah, I can't remember his his name. Oh, you mean the 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 geneticist who's yeah. all who's all into cloning dinosaurs, and then everybody's like, "No, dude." That yeah, that guy? guy. Yeah. Okay. He plays. I don't know. Uh, BD Wong. That's him? it. BD Wong. Wong. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Ooh, gotcha. deep cut. Wow. Yeah. Took me a second, but yeah, I've seen Jurassic Park. Thank you. I know of which I speak. Okay. But then <laughs> but I don't it, I don't have a lot that I can say about Nora from Queens. It's just a sitcom, you know, like just a good watch. Yeah, just just a fun okay. hang. I mean, um, is it is it like uh like when you watch Miracle Workers? Is it just sort of that vibe? It's just fun to have on. Um, I think it I think I'm enjoying it a little more than I enjoyed Miracle Workers, which is coming okay. back soon, finally, by the way. They're doing their Mad Max season like in oh, the next God. couple of weeks. But um okay. But no, I'm I, I'm enjoying this one. I'm, I don't know what I would compare it to, honestly. You know, um, you know what it seems like, and this is another thing I can recommend to you: Bupkis, which is another hand show, but it's very funny, very fucking funny. Because it's the Pete Davidson, right? Is that what it is? Right, right. Yeah. It's okay. Gotcha. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, I did. Interesting. I, I did go to the movies though, um, and I saw. Asteroid City. I knew you were going to go see that. Oh, we're going to see I that this it. weekend. I'm, okay. Uh, no spoilers. No not spoilers. that it's, it's not really a spoiler. I mean, it's movie, a Wes actually. Anderson. You know, yeah. it's like yeah, yeah. you're gonna you're gonna tell me that people are being quirky. I mean, well, it looks well, like I see like the trailer makes it look. This is the most Wes Andersony movie ever because every frame looks like one of those postcards from one of those tourist trap oh. gift shops from the southwest well, it looks to me like like he found the, the the back lot where they shot cars you know and he's doing like the live action <laughs> yeah, version exactly. of it exactly well, it, it takes place uh canonically it takes place in the california arizona nevada desert um which seems like a pretty specific location uh but yeah. you know it's um the asteroid city itself is actually a play uh that is being performed by the actors and was written by edward norton but it is also a television show about edward norton writing the play which is hosted by brian cranston it is it is (laughs) like framing devices within framing devices within framing devices he's making fun of himself now oh yeah yeah. wes anderson making a wes anderson very self-aware that's cool, because I like it, uh, that the the ChatGPT AI or whatever like people are starting to do like classic movies if Wes Anderson had done them, and there's like these trailers, yeah. so they do like Dune or turn, like Star Wars or whatever. Apparently, he's not very thrilled by that because well, it sort of draws stupid. attention. Yeah, but I mean, it also I've, draws I've seen attention. These things. The, re- the reason they keep saying you're doing Wes Anderson is because he has a recognizable style, yeah. And so you can make the joke off of that. But right. the thing is, it's that's it's kind of the problem with these AI creations. They can only learn off of something obvious. So, yeah. of course, but they yeah. have to do Wes Anderson. You know? Well, they're definitely lame. 
they're not as good as yeah. like the yeah. from several years ago when people were doing like uh wes anderson's the x-men and it was actually like a short film where they the force awakens <laughs> the the wes yeah, yeah. anderson force awakens preview was was fucking brilliant yeah but it's i like that he's he's upset with them just because i think it's because it draws attention to how specific his style is and it's that that can be some kind of harsh to be confronted with that where it's like everybody's aware of your tics now mm. so how are you going to wow them <laughs> So it's, you know, maybe I don't. Better. Yeah, I don't get the sense that he cares. I think he's just going to do his thing. Yeah. Um, part good. of the fun I think it's... Of these at this point is the Wes Anderson players, right? Like it's yeah, it's right. this, this rotating cast of people. So um, some some interesting tweaks to the, the roster. There's no Bill Murray this time, uh, which oh, he's canceled. Oh, is he? I don't know. Yeah. Well, he? but Wes, but Wes Anderson is still in his corner. He's he's verbally said. So. Yeah. My he's understanding like, is he's like he just had a different a different commitment. Um, yeah. It's whatever other movie that Bill Murray got canceled but for. I'm thrilled doing. to see Jeffrey Wright uh, back because he was one of the best parts of uh, the French Dispatch. And yes. and yeah, he just he can just spit that dialogue out that Wes Anderson wants to like nobody else. Um, was it? Is get, it Tom Hanks doing the Bill Murray role? Tom Hanks, I thought that was going to be the Bill Murray role. Apparently, Steve yeah. Carell is in the Bill Murray role. Oh, um, okay, interesting. But um, but yeah, I, when I was watching, I'm like Tom Hanks. This should be the Bill Murray role. Um, they've got um, what's her name? Maya Hawk, the Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawke's daughter, is in this one. Yeah, and yeah. that woman who played the Changeling in the Dungeons and Dragons movie that was so good, she's in this too, and it's good to have her in the in the, in the company wasn't she was an it too i think she's yeah she's been in a bunch of like yeah. weird tentpole-esque type stuff she's really good i mean yeah <laughs> so um yeah i mean i won't i won't spoil it is it it it's not as transcendent as some wes anderson's movies are in fact this one i think is aware that you it's hard to know exactly what's going on or why and that's part of the point. Like there are characters who are like, <laughs> what's going on and why? And yeah, because they're making a play and all, it, it's yeah, it's it's I, a hall of mirrors in that sense. You know, I find I don't really know a Wes Anderson film until like n not even like four or five viewings later, but like a year or two. Yeah, this you one know, it's like somehow once. Yeah, like Moon Age Kingdom, I I. I just kind of liked it and now it's one of my favorites but it's taken that much time yeah. to sort of settle exactly like uh life aquatic with steve zissou i hated it when i saw it but over right. time re-watching it it has grown on me in estimation it's not as as awful as i led myself to believe at the and first viewing at the same time rushmore was always my favorite of his and now i look at it more as just like a primer you know, it's just like yeah. an mm -hmm. easy guide well, to an introduction to Wes Anderson. Yeah. And now well, he's done so much that's better. Well, I mean, it's like, yeah, Bottle Rocket and Rushmore uh, are amazing, but they're not, quote unquote, Wes Anderson. Because like you can see where the sort of ingredients are starting to stew. But by the time you get to the Royal Tenenbaums is where it all sort of clicks. And then that's yeah. what people know of as Wes Anderson. So it's he's it's just a weird career overall. But I'm glad he's got Asteroid City and it's doing well because at least that's hope for non-franchise IPs. Even though Wes Anderson is kind of an IP, 
it's a weird deal. Yeah, but I mean, he's I'll, kind I'll of it. he's kind of like Woody Allen was back in the '80s, right? Where it's like it's just right <clears throat> the new film by the guy who has that style, right? Yeah, exactly. So okay. anyway, yeah, great. Go see it. Enjoy. It's Wes Anderson. Hey, let me let me ask you guys: Are we going to require ourselves to see this Indiana Jones film? Because nope. I'm not sure Chris I can bring myself to do it. it. I'll I'll watch <laughs> okay. it on streaming at some point, but yeah, I'm not going to go see it because uh, I just don't fucking care anymore. I, it's like they, it's a lot they of money stopped. to pay to like hold my hands over <laughs> my eyes and like peek between fingers and go, oh no. Well, the fact that it costs three hundred million, they're not going to make any money yeah. on this thing. It's just good god. But uh, after King of the Crystal Skulls, I was just, yeah, I'm like, I'm done. There's no reason to make another Indiana Jones movie with Harrison Ford no, at no. all, at all. So let's yeah. see. The, the one before this was God awful. Um, they we've we've watched them kill off like a bunch of uh, sort of iconic Harrison Ford roles already. And yeah. we know there's not going to be another one unless it's. A horrible someone reboot else. with someone yeah. who has a fraction of the screen presence. What reason yeah. is there to go? And that actually made me think, is there anyone who's Harrison Ford other than him? I mean, no one can do no. what he does no. at all. I mean, and we'll get to it with today's presentation, but uh, Tom Cruise is one of the only actual like super mega stars left. Tom Cruise have. and The Rock, but, basically. And, yeah. he, and, he, yeah. and neither of them have that Harrison Ford thing. Yeah. Well, neither, like, yeah, neither. Very, very man. Ford. He's he's very manly, but. Uh oh. Did I drop or did you drop? That's Eric. Ah, shit. Hi. <laughs> he had the wrong mic plugged in the whole fucking time. Yay. Yeah. So so forget whatever Eric didn't or did say up yeah. till just, now. Just enjoy the improved quality of Eric's microphone from here on out, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Hear the dulcet tones of my idiocy. Hello. Oh my god. Anyway. Anyway. What the hell were we talking right, about? I was the... we were jumping off of Asteroid City and we we're about to throw to you, Chris, for fresh shit. Oh, okay. Cause yeah, fuck Indiana Jones. That's what I say. Um I'm just gonna jump in. I found this random, random movie last night uh before I went to bed uh on Pluto TV of all places. Uh, and I got sucked in. It was from 1979 from director George P. Cosmatos, who you may know as the director of First Blood Part Two, uh, Tombstone, Cobra, uh, Leviathan. And let me just read the cast list to you and you tell me. Um, I'm expecting Eric to be into this, but uh, the cast is what hooked me. Uh, it Roger Moore got top billing. Telly Savalas, David Niven, Stephanie Powers, Elliot Gould, Claudia Cardinal, Richard Roundtree, and Sonny fucking Bono are in this thing. Oh, I think it's I a, know this. It's a World War II adventure movie set in Greece called Escape to Athena. And it's the most bonkers <laughs> action movie, whatever adventure set during World War II. I think it's like the, the last gasp of the star-studded uh, action cast because it's 1979 but Roger Moore let me just tell you plays the commandant of a Nazi POW camp in oh my Greece God. 
and he's got the worst attempt at a German accent I've ever heard. It's oh, basically God. just James Bond with a slight German inflection trying to be nefarious. But then it turns out he's one of the good Nazis who doesn't believe in the cause. He's just a art dealer from Germany who's uh, on this island making order. prisoners just making prisoners excav excavate all these treasures and he's sending all the good stuff home while he's letting the Nazis take all of the dreck. Uh, and David Niven is an archaeologist who's been roped in. Uh, it's just bonkers, but it's like they they lead. Telly Savalas is like the Greek re uh, resistance leader who's mucking up the works for the SS down in the town. Uh, Claudia Carnell is like the madam of the local whorehouse who's helping him get rid of the Nazis and then like they take over the camp they kill all the Germans and then they got to go launch this attack on this monastery in the hills to get all the rest of the loot but it also turns out to be like an uh Eagles landed guns and navarone sitch where there's a bunch of Germans in there and it's just just like turns into this weird mishmash of every <laughs> World War II action movie you've ever seen with this like love boat b-rate cast it is so silly <laughs> so it's a good uh, I mean it's fun <laughs> I mean, it was, I was entertained, but you know, my bar is pretty low for that kind of genre. I'll watch anything. If it's got a star studded cast and there's World War II action, I don't care. Uh, but it was just so dumb seeing Roger Moore try to play a fucking Nazi. It was just like, that's no, no, no. And he's a good Nazi. Yeah. Come on. But he's, but he's top billing. That's what I don't get. But it was at the height of his bonding. So, you know, <laughs> but it's, it was weird to think that this is right before uh for your eyes for only. your eyes only yeah. where the he's in greece and he has to scale a a fortress i mean it was just yeah there's a lot going on here it was so you ridiculous think it was a thing where they had like extra budget left over like one of those situations like uh with dementia 13 where they had some extra m m money and we're on location anyway hey let's crank out another movie well apparently this was uh made by Lou Grade, who, as we all know, is like the like the big British uh, schlock producer from that era who gave us just a whole slew of stuff. Yeah. Um, His name is almost low grade. I was going to yeah. say it's pronounced low. It's Lou yeah. Grade. Uh, but apparently this is produced by David Niven Jr. Uh, and it was like they were on the heels of uh, a couple of other successes that they had done. Uh, like, I want to say that they, they did uh, where Eagles dare. And so they said, Hey, sure. Let's do another world war two thing. Uh, but they got Stephanie powers who at the time was dating William Holden, which I did not know. And William Holden shows up for this, like really super brief cameo. Like Elliot Gould walks past him in the POW camp, and he's basically Sergeant Septon from Stalag 17. Uh, and Elliot Gould's like, You're still here? He's like, eh, Well, you know, what else am I going to do? You got a light? <laughs> and it's like, Oh my God. And he was just you doing it because he's, No, I didn't know that. Because I uh, know, I mean, the funny thing about, okay, so yeah, she was with William Holden uh, uh, when he died, right? And mm -hmm. Natalie Wood had died like a few months. I think before or after. And right. so, and the two of them were on heart to heart, the surviving two, which yeah. is what made me always think they both killed them. Yeah. But it's just I weird. It's just, yeah. 
So like, there's a whole lot going on in this movie, but if you can catch it, I would recommend because it's just like, it's this, it's so out of left field. Uh, but this is more for Eric because it's a, a technical thing. Because Cosmatos, as you know, will will has no distinctive style. He'll he's like a director for hire that gets his name slapped on when actors want to do their projects. Their but yeah, yeah. Uh, but this one is literally just nothing but like helicopter wide shots to show all of like, oh, look, we got a budget because we're filming in Greece and our dollar gets stretched pretty far. So it's just all <laughs> these like roaming helicopter shots and vistas of Greek islands and this and that. And it literally takes on the feel of like uh, the stuntman. Like this would be the World War II movie that Peter O'Toole's director would have made <laughs> in that era. It just has that vibe. It is so dumb. <laughs> But it's just like, like everybody that's needs all, money. Yeah. But it's like, that's all the stuff I'm thinking when I'm watching this. So it's called Escape to Athena. It's like the last gasp of most of these careers. Uh, so it's definitely worth the trip. Because I think Telly Savalas after this would go on to do like those shitty Dirty Dozen sequels for NBC made for TV. I mean, did I mean, Kojak just, keep ugh. going into the 80s? I don't know. Uh, maybe. I don't know. But yeah. <laughs> It's pretty much the death knell for most of these careers. David Niven just did it as a favor to his son. Uh, Richard Roundtree, I think, would go on to be on Silver Spoons for like a season or two. And then we wouldn't hear from him for much. It's just, yeah. According to the Wikipedia page, has one of the most memorable motorcycle chase scenes in cinematic history. Is this? No. (laughs) I mean, it's literally just uh, Elliot Gould jumps on a a bike to chase a Nazi soldier before he can get to the radio. Uh, and it's just a bunch of like narrow uh, Greek alleyways. And they've attached the camera on the front of the motorcycle to show the chase. Uh, and it's just, no, I mean, you've, you've seen better in even like Indiana Jones and the last crusade. You've seen better in any of the mission impossible movies with Tom Cruise. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's workable. It's workman like, Mike Hinchcliffe of Motorbike Writer ranks the chase in Escape to Athena as third, only after uh, Skyfall, second place, and The Great Escape, first place. Ah, that guy's full of shit. I'm just going to tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. Watch the movie if you can. You make your own mind. But yeah, no. I'll sit it out. Yeah. Anyway, right. Escape to Athena, that's uh, my least fresh shit. I think uh, in a long, long time. Oh, William Holden was visiting his girlfriend, Stephanie Powers during the filming was persuaded to make a cameo in the prison camp scene, presumably reprising his role as Stalag 17 escapee, Sergeant Sefton. That's what I said. I didn't know, but I didn't hear the Sefton part. No. Yeah. Yeah. It was totally Sefton. Uh, And then it's also got a very anemic generic score by Lalo Schifrin, who uses a lot of Greek themed music it's just ugh. so you know there you have it i can't right. i can't really espouse it anymore you just have to watch it <laughs> or right. don't i don't, or don't. <laughs> what, what right. was it on what's it streaming on he said pluto uh, it, which means it's he on watched pluto. commercials to watch this ah, thing okay yeah i mean sometimes you got to brian your dedication the, the, to the, 70s the, television is, dude, is the, unparalleled the streaming hey, music the, by lalo schifrin that's what i just said can Eric hear the word microphone? you say? <laughs> <laughs> but the way the streaming landscape is today, Brian, with uh, like every company has its own fucking channel. Like, did you know that Lorimar has its own channel? 
does anybody realize oh, this? Really? I mean, it's just stupid. No. So like lower bar minus like, yeah, <laughs> basically. So I'll take what I can get. Cause the, the stuff I like is very, let's just say niche. And so I have to go to places like Pluto TV and free V where you have to endure commercials to get that rush. That's just my bag, man. So Woof. yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> you heard it here first. That's all I got. Okay. Uh, it was my turn to pick a movie. And um, apparently I didn't see any damn movies in the 2000s because we keep doing this. But um, yeah, I'm like, well, well hey, pick. War of the Worlds from and 2005. I think Steven it's Spielberg interesting pick. This is the movie that Tom Cruise was promoting when he jumped up and down on Oprah's couch. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and Steven Spielberg was basically like, ah, fucking cool it, man. Because he was hurting the, the box office chance. Even though this thing ended up making like, you know, $5 billion or whatever. It was not uh, a failure by any stretch. But yeah. uh, it was definitely right at the time when Tom Cruise just unraveled before our very eyes. Right. That to me is but what makes it the, the most interesting. But it's got the makings of like any stupid blockbuster because you've got, you know, this, oh, yeah. this huge star who is not imploded yet. Uh, you've got you know, the big director. Everybody knows uh, you've got an IP. Everyone's heard of. Right. Effects are not bad at this point. I mean, it should be awesome, but it's just not. It's I not. Mean, yeah. I mean, I was intrigued when you presented this to us, Brian, because I really was, I didn't want to say anything at the time. Yeah. Because it's its a very glossy, slick Spielbergian production that's got moments, but overall I'm watching it again and I'm like, holy shit, this is literally just a director who's falling back on other shit that he's done. Because I'm like, here's, here's a poltergeist moment. Here's a Jurassic mm -hmm. Park moment. Here's this, here's that. Like, I mean, it was just such a weird pastiche of stuff that it just felt kind of lazy and, you know and he's I mean? a guy who's obsessed with like alien encounters this it feels like a natural for him to do this but right. it also feels like he's already done it so many times in different ways that yeah, yeah this is well this was well, an after this was the first time they didn't try to like interact with the aliens and there was no like happy the alien love were, or yeah. anything it was just nasty ass aliens right i'll yeah. tell you i you know, watch it for the first time, and I'll tell you why it doesn't work based on a first viewing. That it, they made a choice, and I get why they made the choice. They made a choice to try and ground the story of this global invasion on a small set of characters, and that they weren't really particularly well, interacting with the alien invasion at all. Right? It's just well, that's that's the ahead. book, though, man. That's the source material by H.G. Wells. I mean that's just okay. that's straight to the source. So yeah. you can put that on the book is the actually book. difficult to read because of that. Yeah. Though I mean it but, is yeah. the same problem. There he, he you know the the author you know sees the invasion and then he starts telling what his brother in law told him as he was hauling <laughs> yeah, ass across the country, yeah. who uh, is also not really interacting with people, and he's just sort of describing scenes. Yeah, but the problem is, yeah, it's it's a tough read. You you kind of need to connect it to some people. I think I think that's yeah. where disaster fiction kind of learned to yeah. what they learned to do. Well, the disaster well, movies are smart in that they follow several different groups of people. This just yeah. sticks with Tom Cruise. Just Tom mm -hmm. Cruise's well, experience of this invasion and what we find out 
is that Tom Cruise is not believable as a working class schlub at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. And, like the like the throw off bit where the guy's fixing the dead car and like Tom Cruise is running off to go see what's going on. He's like, just replace the solenoid. solenoid. He's like, of, yeah. of course, of course. And then yeah. it works. It's like, and it come works on, because man. somehow no, the solenoids he's... that weren't in 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 a car were not damaged the way all the <laughs> yeah. solenoids that well, were in cars. It's well, so you can get them the one working car. Yeah, yeah. They don't have charge running through them. I mean, it's uh, kind of like, you know, if your TV's not plugged in and there's a short that goes through your system, yeah. your TV is still okay. Okay, I'll, I'm sorry. Uh, no, but that's what I, I have that's what I've always standing on the street with the two guys that he supposedly knows as they're like, yeah. hey, what's going on, man? And it's like, that's what's supposed to be going on. But the, the, the casting in this film was so bad that those two guys Tom Cruise is talking to look like two guys going oh my god i'm in a movie with tom cruise i yeah, hope well, my agent those, well, shows this in my yeah, demo yeah. Reel. those two guys look like working class schlubs and that's part of why tom cruise doesn't work like everybody else is at least cast you know with character actors or whatever in a way where i could kind of believe that this person exists in this context but oh, tom god, cruise yeah. is like smiling all the time and and like he keeps distinguishing himself in the frame too like everybody's running one direction but tom cruise is walking the opposite direction while the camera tracks on him right and and it works to to single him out cinematically but he just comes off as the most clueless stupid ass person ever so yeah the movie basically starts he's he's a divorced dad longshoreman got a shitty job and and his kids don't like him and he's got to watch the kids and they're in the house and and whatever. One of the kids takes off in his car. It doesn't really matter. Um, he walks about six inches from his front door to witness the the unearthing of one of these alien tripod things straight out of Half-Life 2 and does not, A, does not run away. None of the people standing around this <laughs> oh, thing yeah. run away. They sort it's of dumb. tiptoe backwards to give the alien enough room to come out and they're all too dumb to run and then somehow there's like this whole scene of him running around and and shit's blowing up and blah 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 but he hasn't bothered to go anywhere near his children or his house which again was about six inches from where he walked <laughs> to, to yeah. begin with it just well again that's ah, yeah that's that's Stump. more from this the source material uh it's just it's just it's creaky because it's it's a Victorian <laughs> era novel uh, that's sort of one of the godfathers of science fiction. But uh, but it does but, it hasn't aged well. And so it's difficult to translate. If you watch the 1953 version of this story, uh, it's the same kind of problem. It's just instead of uh, here, it's all about post 9-11 panic. That was all about Cold War panic. Mm -hmm. uh, so you can overlay whatever's going on in the current well, world to that but it's just it's just creaky because people again they're like oh like, what's that and then the aliens appear start killing everybody and then suddenly like oh shit so yeah <laughs> i'm sorry i just was reduced to making weird noises <laughs> yeah um fuck no uh yeah that's kind of the problem though is that like the source material is creaky so you gotta fix it yeah. But they kind of didn't. I mean, that the, the they left that that way is it's so infuriating. Well, that's yeah. that's something that that I was reading on Wikipedia that they did on purpose that like the reason the alien attack begins with this this attack that takes out anything that that uses electricity 
is to put humankind on a similar technological footing as they would have been in in the late 19th century, right? Like it's, yeah, we're taking away your cars, we're taking away your phones. Oh, that was a thing. Okay, being as a, a 2005 movie, this is like right before the release of the iPhone in 2007, right? And so this movie is kind of capturing the end of an era. And you've got Tom mm. Cruise's house with the big CRT TV and no one's yeah. got a cell phone. And you the guy's know, it, recording on the video camera. That was my favorite. Yeah, and then yeah, Spielberg's got to like camcorder. pan into the video screen to see all of the damage being done on the... The video well, camera so that, that was that was them prototyping the technology to make the Transformers movie two years later. Okay, so they I did guess. a lot of things in this that that I thought was smart about the Transformers. They they shoot that initial attack like in the reflection of a window to give scale, to give context, to to, right. to put the alien in the scene, or they shoot it through the camcorder viewfinder. And those tricks are totally being used all over the Michael Bay films. Um so well, yeah, in a lot of ways, yeah, this was a tech demo. Well, you were talking about uh, as a like sort of a, a microcosm of the time. I like the fact that they also had some sort of like uh, tie-in promotion with Hitachi uh, for this movie as well. <laughs> of course, and then they had some like crazy video game that you could play uh, where you were in all the shit with the aliens. I mean, it's just you know, it's just all this crazy like 2005 stuff that just wouldn't fly today. But for me, it's just, yeah, they update it. But uh, I just want to address quite just right off the bat that uh, Tom Cruise's character's name is Ray Farrier. Now, Farrier, if you look that up, literally means fairy man. So they named their main character who's got to truck his kids to Boston after a ferryman. I'm like, does it get any more on point than that? I mean, mm -hmm. just Jesus Christ. And so it just, once you once you start looking at stuff like that, you're like, this is just a little bit too obvious it's like people lose their tech they lose their minds and suddenly it's just chaos from start to finish and it just it's just post 9-11 panic from the get-go and uh, to me it's like the most most 9-11 movie i think we could have gotten right after 9-11 but i could be okay wrong. so again the the, the st fine hg wells makes the same mistake in in you know trying to to set it from a small perspective but no character development, no stakes, nobody dies, nothing, I mean, nothing happens to everybody, everybody dies around our protagonists, all whole neighborhoods right. are leveled and boats and bridges and blah, blah, blah. And this guy <laughs> just kind of walks away, like, again, like, it's kind of a Mr. Magoo moment, you know, where like everything falls apart around him. But you know, at yeah. the end, what does he do? He gets to... He gets to his ex-wife's house in Boston, which is completely spared, and she's fine, and I mean, they didn't even do the trope where I thought maybe the new husband would die and then somehow the family would get together. No, no. not really. No. Well, it's I mean, just, I mean, like nothing happens in well, this let's, movie. Let's, like, <laughs> well, let's get right to it. I mean, it, this is straight from the book, too. Uh, like you go through all of this. It's like devastation. Society collapses, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so in the book, it's like maybe two or three weeks and in the movie. It's like, you know, two or three days. But ultimately, all of this is for naught because the aliens just end up getting killed by bacteria on Earth and they just fucking yeah. like die. I mean, it's just like it's the weirdest cop out ending that just is not I, satisfying at mm, all. I disagree. I disagree. I think the point of that ending is, OK, we get our asses handed to one. Well, this is really more about the, 
the book too, because it is mm-hmm. right. ending. But we get our asses handed to us the entire time. We keep throwing something at it, and we keep failing. And in the end, the happy ending has nothing to do with us. Even our salvation is out of our hands. It's kind That's of nice. a, a great way of saying you're fucked any way you look at it. You know, just 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 let it happen. No, yeah. I'm, I'm fine with that as the ending. In fact, if it didn't have that yeah. ending, it wouldn't be War of the Worlds. I, I but I I'm mean, even the it. original. Yeah, I like the I like the, the the statement that no matter what you think you have, it's not enough. I know, but it's just it's just narrative sleight of hand because H.D. Wells takes you on this journey and it's kind of it gets depressing at times. Like the main character in the book ends up killing like a clergyman uh, mm-hmm. because the clergyman is just a, a dipshit, uh, which in this in the movie, it's replaced by uh, Tim Robbins as the the knucklehead farmer or whatever. Uh, so you go through all of this and then like suddenly they're just dead. It just it's got no dramatic thrust for me it's just sort of suddenly it's just it's over oh and so you've invested all this time for nothing as far as i'm concerned yeah but the film does not capture it because they don't want to write out and say there's nothing you can do about any of this but the book i think really the message is that it's like you remember the well chris you read casino royale right yeah the actual Uh the actual book and in the end the assassin who uh kills the chief right you know, and is and he says, you know, I should probably kill you too, you know, but I'm not going to. That in that book, it's like James Bond does nothing. You know, he he yeah. he should be killed as well, and he sees that not the whole operation just happens around him. That's kind of this, you know. Yeah. It's well, and it's a message to us that no matter how much you think you, you again you understand the natural world, it's much bigger than you. Yeah. But, yeah. They they use that in this film, but they don't address it like that. So it I mean, feels like Morgan Freeman's you know, disembodied voice of 2005 does right. Like he he narrates the intro and he basically says, you know, the way we look down on bacteria is the way that the aliens are looking down on us. Yeah. And, you know, all of that is directly from the book. Yeah. yeah. Foreshadowing. And then at the end that the bacteria were our saviors and we were just kind of in between, you know? Right. <laughs> well, um, I just, yeah. but the, the whole notion that this movie exists is just strange to me as well. Cause Tom Cruise and Spielberg made minority report uh, a year or two earlier, which I'm on record. I still hate that movie. It just, there's yeah. nothing about that. That hooks me. None of the tech in that is believable. The premise is laughable and I just hate it on multiple levels. But they made a lot of money with it. So they said, let's, what are we going to do now? And I think Tom Cruise just said, War of the Worlds and Spielberg was like, yes. Uh, and then they went into it. And I don't think they really thought through what their whole premise was going to be, what their themes were. They're sort of peppered in kind of loosely. But the thing is just a pastiche uh, of oh. destruction, really. That's like, seems to be the only exercise at work is like, how can we fuck up a bunch of cities? And etc. etc. That's the problem with Steven Spielberg, though, is that like no matter how often he says, Oh, I'm gonna make a movie and it's gonna be about X, in the end of the day, it's just Steven Spielberg fucking around with a camera and it mm-hmm. looks good because he hires the right cinematographers, but it's not right. Yeah, it, it doesn't make sense. It's the same goddamn movie each time. <laughs> yeah. Well, it didn't help that I just rewatched Poltergeist like a day or two earlier and then watched this. <laughs> and then I'm like, this is literally just you could transpose uh, all of this into the house with the poltergeist, the kid like protecting the daughter, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, it's that same gist. 
And so it's just, you can see where Spielberg is sort of tied to his themes of like parental estrangement and this and that, but it's just, everything's blowing up around them instead of, uh, you know, like the slow burn. Yeah. Dakota Fanning is basically a casting and costuming. Okay. What we need is 1982 drew Barrymore, but for 2005, right? Yeah. (laughs) But she's so like, she was so creepy as a child actress though. Cause it's just, she's, she's not a kid, but she's a kid. I was always very off put by her. Uh, I felt like if they ever did uh, at that time, if they managed to do interview with the vampire, she'd have been the perfect uh, little girl. I mean, it's just, she's got that Mm. vibe about her. And so it's kind of off putting, but when I'm watching this dude and I forgot to tell you this, Brian, uh, like whoever watches this, this is what you do. You make it a drinking game with the name Robbie, which is Tom Cruise's (laughs) son, because they literally say it about 5,000 times in the first hour or so. Uh, And then the kid like disappears from the narrative. Uh, And then you can turn it into Rachel because suddenly he's screaming Rachel, his daughter's name every four seconds. And you would be just blasto by the time the movie was over. It'd probably make it more enjoyable, but you know. Okay. Quick things you liked about the movie. Ah, the shots they I, made for the Super Bowl trailer were fantastic. Oh my god, <laughs> the crumbling my favorite, bridge, right? My favorite part in the whole thing, and I don't know why it's just kind of haunting, but it's like when they're they're the mass crowd is trying to get to the ferry, and they get to the uh, train line, and the gates go down, the alarms going off, and then the train rolls through, and every single car is on fire as it screams <laughs> by, and then it's gone. And then the gates slowly go back up and the alarms stop and everybody's just kind of like, huh, <laughs> I mean, it's just so perfect for that kind of mode. You know what I mean? Right. It's just, it's my favorite spot in the whole movie, but it's totally Ryan? tangential. Do you have one like that? I mean, yeah, I think again, I, I think that when they bring the spectacle, it, you know, it works, but the problem is that like all of that spectacle was spent on the marketing campaign. So I had seen all right. of the good shots. Ah, right. okay. you know, and so it 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 misses its mark. I mean, there isn't even like a T-Rex intro type scene that works in this movie. I I was left flat, man. I was struggling to stay awake yeah. through this thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> That's fair. That's Everyone fair. was. I'm just I'm just like there there are like like you know, moments in this where I go, "Wow, that's cool." Like going outside of the house and the entire jetliner smashed into yeah. the you know, yeah i love that i i love when they are on the ferry and the alien craft goes under the ship in the water there's like moments like that where i'm like ooh, that's yeah. cool oh, and starts yeah. plucking people the the crashed yeah. airplane yep. set is still stands and it's part of the universal studios tour in well, la because yeah. yeah. that cost them like two million dollars to truck that yeah. in by pieces and then they had to stage it so yeah you're not yeah. gonna fuck that up yeah the, I, I, my my biggest th- problem with this though is tim robbins is is just completely miscast and that grinds whole, to a halt yeah 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 the whole the whole movie is just suddenly sludge just there's there's no action there's no movement there's just and there's certainly no uh uh it's just he has like a five acre large cellar too like where the fuck does tim robbins live like well yeah but it's also it's like it's suddenly you've got this movie about tom cruise and then suddenly you've got to deal with tim robbins who's basically uh like the farmer ted version of uh of aliens game over man fucking game (laughs) over i mean it's just that's literally all it is it's just come on man 
Well, but when you get to that, when you get to that scene too, where the the aliens actually come down into the basement and then they're playing Heidi Seeky, I mean that's literally just the commissary uh, scene from Jurassic Park. Yeah, it's just like you're just going back over the same shit you've already done, St- Steven Spielberg. I mean, it's just yeah. come on, give us something new. So, oh, so irritating. I think also I think the other, uh, go ahead. Close Encounters of the Third Kind where yeah. they're hiding out in the house and the lights are, you know, sort of flashing through the window weirdly. Right, right. It's like yeah. there's all sorts of things you can look at this and go, oh, nope, this is from that. And this is from that. It's like, yeah, he definitely has a style, but it's kind of like saying, you know, Mc- McDonald's is its own cuisine. You know, <laughs> it's just yeah. insane. Well, you know, you know, the, whatever. The, the, the other thing is that because it's a product of its time, 2005, like this is peak of grimdark. Right. Like this yeah. is, you know, we're we're into like Batman begins in the dark night and, and that kind of shit. And it's like there's just no moments of levity in this thing. It's just ugh, ugh, ugh at all times. You know, it's like stress interspersed with moments of depressing, right? Like we'll we'll turn down the stress for depressing and then we'll we'll go there's no there's no excitement. I won't even say fun. I don't think this movie needed any fun in it because it's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be, you know, intimidating, but it's not right. exciting either. You know, when we get. Oh, and, and it, it, it keeps undercutting itself with just total implausibility, starting with Tom Cruise as a working class, class guy in the first shot. But like, so now he's got the one working car. And for whatever reason everybody's cars died in a pattern that leaves a space for one car to weave yeah. through all of it. And it's just like, <laughs> isn't no, that convenient? That's isn't not, that convenient? it just takes you out of it. It takes you out of it. Every time they, they christen Tom Cruise as the chosen one in this scenario, who also has no story and no character development throughout. It's just, yeah. just a nothing burger. Well, I mean, but that's, again, that's just the nature of this story. Like even the, the 1953 version, it's just, it's a scientist uh, who's got to figure out how to save his new girlfriend? Uh, I mean, no, it's just I'm like calling bullshit because I've seen Independence Day and I hate Independence Day. Yeah. I'm on record at this, but Independence Day is is an entertaining version of the same movie. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, it is. No, it's <laughs> no, terrible. It's not. But it's I. It's even I, to the point where I, they, they. I call. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. I got it. Not the same movie or not entertaining. Exception to that. It's <laughs> neither. It's neither. It's terrible. Yeah. I, it's terrible. And I speaking agree. Speaking as as a proponent of the Roland Emmerich school of fuck shit up, I yeah. think it is insanely weak. And in terms of character development, there's a lot more nope. in War of the Worlds than there is yeah. in that. And, where, and at least the... in this, you've got like a shitty dad who learns to, you know, like I don't know, respect be, family or something like that. Be less Does shitty. He? Yeah. Yeah. Be less shitty. Based, I didn't but, get but that. In 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 yeah. uh, uh, Independence Day. You 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 have what um, a president who realizes it's okay to be a stripper and a air force pilot who learns how to fly an alien aircraft because he's watched it chase around other planes. I right. mean, <laughs> well, here's the main difference between War of the Worlds and Independence Day, Brian, is that mm. Independence Day celebrates the militarism aspect of yeah, That's those true. fuckers are going to come here and we're going to kick ass. Uh, whereas War of the Worlds is literally about just run and fucking hide. 
dude. Yeah, just the don't aliens even are going to tear the military yeah. a new asshole. Yeah, yeah without it's even like don't even trying. don't even interact. Just fucking hide. I mean, that's literally the 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 two extremes. And so it is. It's it is kind of funny actually. Now that you mention it, the military doesn't you know figure out shit in this, including the fact that their shields are down. They need Tom yeah. Cruise to tell them that. Yeah, well, he's <laughs> yeah, the only one a- who knows anything in this situation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's that whole scene where they're like uh, at the end when they're like, what's going on? With I don't know. They just started fucking around at the end and just collapsed. And then Tom Cruise is like yelling at the guy over the arm, arm, arm to look at the birds. Look at the birds. Yeah. It's like you're, you're telling this career military guy what to do. It's like, oh, give me a break, man. And the yeah. thing is, the guy's listening to him like, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's just supposed to get the fuck out of here. You noisy civilian. I'm trying to control this situation. Uh, and there's aliens. Yeah. No, I, yeah. Okay. So we're getting a little long on the time, but I, I would be remiss without at least raising the topic of the 1988 syndicated War of the Worlds television series that, that oh, I did God. see as a as a dumb young person. Um, it, it's a thing that exists. It was supposed yeah. to be a sequel to the 1953 movie, and it's basically... A body Shit. snatchers V thing where the aliens <laughs> didn't really die of the bacteria, but they figured out how they could inhabit human hosts and the human host can take care of the bacteria. So now the aliens are taking over the world from within and it sucks. It's stupid, but it does exist. Yeah. I mean, it sounds riveting, Brian, the way you describe it. I mean, I really yeah. was putting out the <laughs> sale there, right? Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you uh, a better version of this story for me from the era is earth versus the flying saucers which has got some of that ray harryhausen magic in it and a script by kurt siodemek who did a whole bunch of those like 50s uh b movies uh because that's literally just the, the the flying saucers land and they freak everybody out and then the military decides that they're going to attack and then everything's just a miscommunication this and that it's so much more fun than war of the worlds so if you're going to watch anything, watch Earth versus the Flying Saucers or maybe Mars Attacks. You know, when I just when I saw this, I saw this when it came out on video, but like so I didn't see it in the theater, but I saw it years ago. And the thing that is still unforgivable to me about this film, no matter what we've mentioned, no matter what issues we have with pacing or with you know construction or with Tom Cruise or with Steven Spielberg, all that. No, no, no. The worst thing is the woman who plays the TV reporter who shows him the tape of the things coming. And because she is the worst actress ever, she cannot read. She cannot read. She is saying lines and she is just, fuck me. I cannot understand how they didn't just stop filming and say, no, we'll come back tomorrow. Bring somebody else. Because well, she's this... so exceptionally bad that it's almost worth watching it just for her. Well, to go, and that whole oh, wow. Well, that whole sequence is stupid too, because once you get over the initial wow factor of the downed airline, and then you see people rooting around, and then you find out it's just one of the the TV crew finding the food trays to get water and stuff. And then she's literally showing Tom Cruise video footage of the stuff we've already seen mm-hmm. as if to explain what is going on, like we just didn't see the first 20 minutes. It's well, just so irritating. No, she, she, the reason for it, the reason yeah. for it is that they had said, you know, every alien invasion movie, they like come down from the sky because of 
fucking course they do. But this time they were like, hey, but what if they came up from the earth? And someone said, why in the fuck would they do that? And so they had to put in that scene with her showing, look, there's there. The the aliens are actually flashes of lightning that go through concrete and like Mm -hmm. their their cars that they parked here after a party 10,000 years ago. Millions of years ago. Yeah, but it's still dumb because they're still coming from somewhere else outer space i mean it's just yeah the whole the whole concept is just weeks well, off no yeah like the the implication there is that all of humanity has been uh being grown yeah yeah so, like so that they can ant farm. and, or, yeah. and that an we never farm. we never came across one of these while building subways you know yeah no nah, i mean I they're mean, just yeah. right there you it's know just... n- nobody sounded the ground and said hey there's well, something I mean, right there I mean, you know, you want to watch something equally dumb, go watch The Abyss, where suddenly it's like aliens live in like the the Marianas Trench or some yeah. shit. I mean, it's just you gotta suspend a lot of disbelief for some of these. That movies. one's too much for me. That there is an alien craft under the intersection in front of the church <laughs> and it's only like 15 feet down yeah at some point somebody uh decide you know like a cable tv company was laying cable they would have found it you know yeah, yeah. i mean yeah. yeah but here's the thing is like yeah but they, they call it war of the worlds but really uh it's it's not that's the just title like is such a misnomer <laughs> yeah it's just such a misnomer it's so dumb uh, but for my money, if you're going to do alien invasion movies, do the the more paranoid versions like Invasion of the Body Snatchers or Carpenter's The Thing. I mean, make them interesting at least. This is just all spectacle, and I just I just don't dig it. It's just dumb. That's my two cents. Yeah. So <laughs> hey, <Refute> me. <laughs> no, um, I'm just going to say that if you're into uh, entertainment that's just dumb and you know it's just kind of on in the background. Why there not are make people. the magnificent? Welcome. Why, yes. Why not make the magnificently <laughs> huge podcast that media? Subscribe to the podcast. Right. Share it on your social media with your friends so they can also listen to our dumb podcast. And if you want to hear the old episodes, you can go to our website, maghuge.com. M a g h u g e dot com. There's varying levels of dumb there, but there's also links to all of our socials, and you can also shoot us an email, magnificentlyhuge at gmail dot com. And uh, we'll be back. Tell us with what we should watch. That's episode. probably the biggest thing, right? Yeah. Like we yeah. should we should get suggestions on dumbass shit that we should be watching for the show because really? we will. Apparently, we, yeah. Um, obviously, we'll Eric watch will watch anything. anything. Eric will watch anything. 